Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights podcast series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and get the latest economic insights from our in-house economics team. In a rare two-part series, we are discussing the recent large fiscal stimulus packages of the Biden presidency. During last week's episode, Matthew and I discussed the U.S. fiscal programs, the return of the U.S. consumer engine across our region's economies, and the potential positioning of the central banks in response. In today's second episode, we're going to continue to explore this theme further and understand the implications across asset classes and what it will mean for our institutional investors. Good morning, Matthew. Morning, Craig. Great to be here again. Matthew, throughout COVID, we highlighted the economic success achieved locally through the coordinated efforts of both monetary and fiscal policies. With such massive fiscal programs already in place and now even more scheduled, are the central banks showing any signs of their preparedness for excess growth? Well, central banks are very focused on inflation. Both the US Fed and Australia's RBA indeed altered their inflation mandates in response to uh, COVID. The problem the Fed and the RBA have created for themselves, in my opinion, is that they relaxed the inflation criteria for rate hikes. And they did so, as I said, in response to the COVID shock to the economy following a decade of inability to stabilise inflation within their target band. Now, up until now, the central banks have been signalling that rates are on hold for at least three years because they are are going to wait until the actual level of inflation is within their target band and has been there for a period of time. And in fact, in the case of the Fed, they're going, the Fed is going to actually allow an overshoot of their inflation target to compensate for the lengthy period um, that we've just had where inflation is below target. And so the risk I think this creates is that if inflation rises more rapidly than the banks anticipate, and that rather than remaining within the band for a period of time, it sort of hits the, the lower end of the band and just keeps going and shoots through the band. If that was to occur, the banks would have to raise rates really rapidly. Uh, alternatively, uh, if the banks became concerned of that type of outcome in advance, what they'd have to do is change course in their guidance and break their new mandates. Now, having not been able to get uh, inflation within their target band up until now, and then having the the situation where they risked not being able to control inflation going through their target band, I think that'd be quite damaging for central bank uh, credibility. So both situations, I think, could lead to quite a disorderly spike in in bond yields, quite disruptive for bond markets. So should institutional investors uh, that are dealing with a lower for longer environment, should they be looking at this as a potential signal for a turning point in the yield curve? Look, we do think that yields will continue to move higher uh, as to forward rates, but we, at the moment, our central case is that it will um, happen at a... uh, an orderly pace. In terms of um, the yield curve movements, um, Craig, there is the possibility that you, if, if central banks are forced to um, move earlier rather than later, you may get a, a bull flattening of the yield curve if uh, short rates come up. However, with the um, additional fiscal stimulus uh, in the US in train, I'm not so sure uh, the Fed will have that luxury of a wait-and-see approach that they're currently adopting. Uh, fortunately, the uh, process of getting further fiscal stimulus bills through Congress will take time, and the planning and execution of that infrastructure spending itself is um, requires lengthy lead time. So 
that should give the Fed time to reassess circumstances and more importantly, um, give sufficient time to signal to markets well in advance uh, of any change in the course of monetary policy. You're listening to Craig Balanswaler and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic impacts of a possible fast-growing US economy. Whilst on the subject of yield compression, Matthew, I want to explore the impact of COVID and current yield trends across other asset classes. The impact hasn't, of course, been uniform, with some areas of our asset classes performing quite well, others not so well. Have you been able to pull out any overarching themes from what you've been seeing? Uh, yeah, clearly, there's. There, I think there's two um, major themes uh, that have been influencing markets. One you just alluded to, which is the... the uh, the compression of yields and that you know huge injection of liquidity into financial markets by central banks which which drove uh, interest real interest rates down has really supported the bid for risk assets and and that effect was really a, a positive uh, for all asset classes actually um, the other effect or the other major trend is is covid specific uh, and that wasn't positive for all assets. For example, you know, clear obvious cases in equities, the acceleration in the demand for digital technology, you know, think Zoom, uh, boosted valuations in tech stocks, uh, and the health sector was another winner. However, you know, air passenger stocks were clearly on the wrong side of the uh, the COVID theme. Um, but overall, um, the, the weight of, of, of lower yields plus the uh, number of um, stocks that benefit from COVID saw um, equities as, a, as an asset class as, as a winner. But if you look at the other end of the spectrum, you can see an asset class such as real estate where you know, the negative COVID effects uh, clearly outweigh the positive capital market environment. You know, and that's pretty obvious to see, of course, brick and mortar retail assets suffered from lockdowns and a spike in e-commerce sales, um, while the office sector also suffered from lockdowns and the acceleration in uh, work from home. Infrastructure, uh, the other major real asset class, results there have been mixed. Obviously, the search for yield combined for you know, really strong pre-COVID demand and limited supply in this sector has been uh, very strong for this asset class. But, you know, pockets of infrastructure have um, performed poorly and, and airports spring to mind. I think what investors now need to consider is that as real interest rates start to rise, you know, which assets drank too much of the central bank Kool-Aid and also uh, which assets got ahead of themselves um, on those COVID-specific trends. And even within some of those sectors you mentioned, Matthew, it's also been complicated because local airports have done sort of well uh, versus international sort of major hub airports. You're listening to Craig Valenzuela and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where our chief economist, Dr. Matthew Peter, is taking us through the current economic impacts to our investable sectors from a US economy supported by vast fiscal stimulus. In our CIO podcast in early 2020, Matthew, Troy Reek, the chief investment officer of LGIA Super, suggested that COVID's early impact had, rather than a pure disruptor effect, was having a material impact by way of accelerating existing trends. As we start to look back, with the benefit of hindsight, of course, how accurate was this view? I think overall, Troy's right. Um, there's clearly an acceleration in most pre-COVID trends, including you know, digital technology, clean energy, responsible investing, uh, e-commerce, and, and work from home, to name a few. But I, I think the real questions for investors are, are twofold. One is, 
how much further have these trends to run and at what pace? And two, are there any unforeseen responses to these trends? And, and depending on the answers to these two questions, investors will be able to assess the extent to which these trends are currently priced by markets and therefore where the opportunities and the risks lie. Matthew, with all this in mind, what do you feel the opportunities or implications for our institutional investors as they now look forward in their asset allocation reviews? Yes, well, I think that there has to be a reassessment of where real interest rates are going. Um, they're, they're clearly going up. So it's not going to be uh, as easy a, a uh, asset allocation decision going forward in terms of um, you know, just allocating towards risk assets. It's going to be more selective. So uh, I think it's going to be a question about uh, which assets uh, have become overvalued on the back of low rates and which assets have run too strongly or too too weakly with uh, existing COVID trends. I think you know there will, there's some chance that um, unloved assets may come back into favour. If you look going into the COVID uh, episode, you know clearly retail real estate was an unloved um, asset class. Um, with, with with some reason, given um, the rise in e-commerce penetration and the demise of department stores. But what we have seen is that the uh, the retail sector, for example, has, has um, taken its hit during this uh, period of COVID. And there's also emerging trends that the, uh, the e-commerce uh, factor is perhaps overblown and may actually even uh, work in some regards in favour to brick and mortar certain sectors of the retail, for example. Uh, the famous click and collect area, Matthew. So I, th- I think, you know, asset allocators are going to have to be far more selective. They're going to have to to um, look more closely, uh, even asset by asset when it comes to real assets, both in infrastructure and real estate, but also within stocks. Uh, they're going to have to be mindful of uh, the push towards responsible investing, obviously, but also um, looking towards uh, renewable investment as, as another theme that's clearly coming coming forward. I think at the end of the day, there's enough uncertainty there that, uh, you know, the old adage of a, a well-diversified portfolio uh, with some risk taken around, uh, around emerging trends will be the best way forward. Thanks, Matthew, for your insights today. In summary, we as we emerge from the effects of COVID and look back on the asset class performance, it hasn't been uniform both in the listed and unlisted spaces. Opportunities even within sectors could have been easily overlooked. And as we look forward, the institutional investors can consider two areas to focus on. One, how much further can these trends run and at what pace? And secondly, are there any unforeseen responses to these trends? I'm Craig Valenzuela for QIC's QPod. Please share your views with us. We'd love to hear them via QPod at QIC.com. Thank you for listening and have a super weekend.